Hey, thanks for listening to 1590 Afterwards, where me, Tom McLean, sits down with my buddy, Tom Spence, and we talk about the events that took place on the KVTA Morning Show today, Friday, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. It is Cinco de Mayo, and we want everybody to go out there and have fun, because there certainly is a lot of fun to have. And you know, when a party starts on Friday, it's going to go into the weekend. There's always been a lot of controversy over how much the people of Mexico celebrate this holiday because my understanding is it was a battle against the French at Puebla and the Mexican army beat down a very powerful French army. So it was a huge point of, of, of joy and honor for, for Mexico to beat this army. But it's not like their 4th of July. Right. But here it's a, yeah, it's, it's a lot of partying. A big day for El Toritos. That's, That's it. exactly and, what it is. And one thing we have to do is, you know, respect what happened, but you got to have fun, too. Like St. Paddy's Day, everybody acts like a knucklehead, drinks green beer, which no Irishman would ever do. Right. I guarantee you. They'll have a Guinness, but they ain't going to have a green tongue at the end of the night. So I would just say for the folks having fun and celebrating through the weekend— if you're driving along and you're a white guy with a sombrero on, chances are you had one too many drinks. Yeah, that's a little, that's much. Yeah, too take much. Your, take your Uber, take your Lyft, take it easy and be smart. But really have fun because uh, the heritage of this area with our great cities is uh, heavily influenced by uh, in Mexico. And it's, uh, it is part of our culture. So yeah. enjoy and have some fun. What else is going on here? It's funny to look at Taylor Swift. I cannot name one song by Taylor Swift, but she's been the biggest thing for years. I could probably name about 20. You 20, you oh, could yeah. go that far. Oh, Do you I know how Taylor. many she's doing in her show? Oh, how many? I couldn't imagine. 44 songs. Wow. And you're not one of them. <laughs> 44 bloody songs. That's wow. great. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Even if she's what, probably a three and a half, four minute hit master. You know, a lot of the hit people run in that. That's a lot of singing. Wow, it's yeah. a lot of memories. And so I, she's in search of her 45th birth boyfriend is what we're looking at. I think here. that's what's happening right yeah. now. So uh, <laughs> that is going on with Taylor Swift. But when I saw the 44 songs, each one has a choreographed dance. I, I'm impressed. How do you remember that? I don't know. And she's and she really is. She puts everything into the show. She dances hard. She's sing, and I, she doesn't, as far as I know, she doesn't lip sync. Like she's a she's a great talent. She was at the Ventura County Fairgrounds years ago, and she wasn't on the main stage. She was on, like, the Pepsi stage when she was a youngster. And I'll give the uh, across-the-street station, KBBY, they had photos of her when she was up there on the Pepsi stage. You could have seen, and you might have seen Taylor Swift. And you, hey, who's a cute blonde singing songs? Okay, whatever. And it ended up, it was Taylor Swift right here. Could have taken a picture of her with your glue issue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. One can dream. Yeah. A glue shoe with Taylor Swift. My <laughs> goodness. Little Eddie Sheeran won his, um, his case. Rightfully so. Yeah, he won the case against the song that Marvin Gaye performed. And they said that his, Ed Sheeran's, was too much alike. After hearing the whole thing, it's like, if that song's alike, then they're all alike. Yeah. And he was pretty clever in on the uh, stand because he was playing songs like his song and he kept the chords going then he sang lyrics from like five other songs and he said it's progression he said all of these songs sound really good against these chords and the progression so he won but Rupert Grint is suing him for looking too much like him oh my goodness I love a good Harry <laughs> Potter reference I didn't know who that was if anybody knows Rupert Grint put him next to Ed Sheeran whoa separated what at the? birth 
I don't know what I think a bat just threw, <laughs> flew through here. That was the crazy. Kool-Aid man just crashed through the wall. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> wow. I love the Kool-Aid man. Did you ever like Kool-Aid? <laughs> Not particularly. Horrible. Yeah. That's what my auntie served. It was the most vile stuff. And my auntie, just because she was mean, they were Scottish. It was hard for them to be nice. Scones, <laughs> you're, you're eight, and they give you scones and Kool-Aid. And it was lime Kool-Aid. Oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It was That's, awful. That is bad. Yeah, but I love Mr. Kool-Aid, though, that dude going through <laughs> the brick wall. Nothing like it. We had talked about the writer's strike. We did it again this morning. You, <clears throat> you start adding all the stuff up that gets taken out of our lives. Do you like Pete Davidson? I'm okay with Pete Davidson. Yeah, when he's on, he's he's just incredible. Mm-hmm. He was even in the Motley Crue movie, A Dirt. He oh. was like a road manager or something. He's a funny guy. He was going to host, but you can't. There's no writers. Yeah, that's right. The other thing, MTV, I know you're going to be disappointed. Drew Barrymore withdrew as the host. Oh, no. To honor the, the writers. Oh. Yeah, she said, I can't be there. Oh, that's a bummer. It's a tough one. But all of these shows, anything that needs writing is going to be taken away from us. All the talk shows, name them. They're gone. Yeah, it's, it, it affects everything. It affects even the, the, the commercials, the ads you see, everything. It go, the, it's way bigger than people think. Yeah, and these writers, there's 11,000 of them. 11,000 wow. writers that are in this guild that are all striking. So if it's your favorite sitcom, your favorite chat show, whoever has a writer, there is going to be issues. And most upstanding stand-ups aren't going to take any... Um, what would you say, scab jokes? I don't know how funny they would be. Right, right. Probably a bunch of dad jokes. But everybody seems to be, uh, they're just going to stand down and wait for this to blow over. Yeah, the wise thing, especially if you're somebody who relies on good writing, you you have to stand in solidarity with them because they're, they're feeding you. They're yeah. feeding you your words and you're eating because they're, <laughs> they're helping you do your thing. And if it's not on the page, it's not on the stage. That's plain and simple. Now, for writers... They can just keep writing. Obviously, they're not going to put anything out. So I guess in a lot of cases, like so many things, when, who knows, is it going to be a week, a month, or half a year? But at the end of this, if they're all continuing to write, there's going to be this onslaught of great stuff. But then they'll have to say, hey, remember six months ago when you know anybody that's doing topical humor might be in a little bit of trouble? I think there's going to be a lot of movement because I think what happens when there's time off like that is writers go, oh, you know, I have this passion project that I want to work on or I want to put together some kind of a kit to maybe apply for something else that I've been thinking about. You know how it goes. You have these ideas and things you want to do, but you get so bogged down in your everyday life, it's hard to take that first step. But, you know, you get a few days off like that and go, hey, you know, I still have the skill. I can still get up and write every day. You know, why not aim it more towards what I want to do in the future? So it could be interesting. And we got to see, you know, what the – I know this stuff pays really well when they do it. Mm -hmm. They're worried a lot about AI. Mostly they're worried that some of their jobs – might be taken away uh, by that. So that's how the writer strikes go. You're not going to see a lot of stuff that you normally love to see. You're going to get some reruns. Let's move on. Horse racing. Anything in your life? Uh, not particularly. When I was a kid, my dad worked for what is the Jans Corporation. Many people know Jans Road in Thousand Oaks. Jans owned just about the whole Caneo Valley and a huge portion of Westwood. Very, very wealthy man who also had ponies. So when I was a little kid, I got to go to the track a lot. And we usually went to Hollywood Park. And I will say it was a blast. It mm. was so much fun. You know, you give your auntie a couple of bucks. You go place a bet for you. You bet on the horse name that you liked. You know, all sorts of things. It was just really fun. And to watch these animals go around the track, 
is spectacular, especially if you're on the rail. It's beautiful. There's been some issues with the horses at the Kentucky Derby, and I know down south at Santa Anita, you don't want to see that. You want the animals taken care of. But it is a fascinating bit of um, history with the Kentucky Derby. The guy they give credit for creating it, Meriwether Lewis Clark. Yes, from Lewis and Clark, when the Civil War was over and his dad had gotten back from the big hike Mm -hmm. that they went on, he ended up being, as a tribute to uh, his friend, Mary, Meriwether Lewis, that, that was his given name, Clark, his last name. He thought, what can we do uh, to get interest back into life around here? Because a little devastation after the Civil War. And what are we proud of? And it was a lot of horses, a lot of hardworking people, a lot of fun. They give him credit for developing uh, this race we now know as the Kentucky Derby. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, Lewis and Clark. He was the dude that got the whole thing going. And some of that, uh, it got kicked off back in 1780. Oh, my goodness. They were running horses. 1780. Wow. When did baseball start? I don't even know. Uh, The 18, probably like the 1860s, yeah? So, yeah, 1780 uh, for this thing, which obviously is uh, is way back. No, excuse me, that's the Epsom Derby in England. It was 1870 that it came out, because that would be after the Civil War. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Bad math by me. It was my fault. I took down the timeline poster. Those, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Those damn Brits. And that's, uh, that's how it goes with the Kentucky Derby. I won't watch. I, when I was a kid, Secretariat was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was some, the Secretariat was like as famous as the other athletes. Yeah. It really was. People uh, don't realize, name any of the great athletes of any sport of any time. Secretariat was out. They made a movie out of uh, Secretariat's story that's pretty cool. Right, and right. So that's it. That's what we have here, Kentucky Derby, this weekend. Enjoy. Finally, something that you like is baseball. Absolutely. And collecting and baseball stories. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love the, especially baseball vintage. And the vintage that you know a lot about is the athletes in baseball that were minused out because of World War II. Yeah, well, I mean, baseball kind of had to come to a halt. A lot of a lot of our um, star athletes enlisted and went and, and served their country. I mean, you look at so many Hall of Famers, Ted Williams, Bob Feller, um, even Willie Mays, uh, Jackie. I mean, you, you go down the line, and there were, everybody served during World War II. It, it's kind of insane. And when my dad was in World War II through the Canadians, he was with the Royal Canadian Air Force, the thing was, if you were of able body and somebody saw you 18 19 20 years old why aren't you fighting Mm -hmm. and it was sort of one it was an honorable thing to do to join uh, but the other one is why aren't you and it was so big but you look at a guy like ted williams i'm sure if he wanted it there would have been a pass he could have taken oh sure i'm certain somebody would have at least said okay we'll put you in kansas no worries hall of fame outfielder ted williams could have broken Babe Ruth's home run record if you do the math. He served five years as a naval pilot in World War II. Korean War also, 39 combat missions. So mm-hmm. not only did he flight, fight WW2, he was a flyer at the uh, Korean War too. What a stud. Yeah, he was amazing. I mean, Ted Williams is probably one of, I mean, even though within the baseball communities they realize how great he is, I, you don't, he's not a household name like, Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle, you don't hear his name as much, which is kind of unfortunate because he really was absolutely amazing. And he held that secret. Like he held the fact that he was Mexican-American because he didn't want to be discriminated against throughout his career as well. 
Who would have? I didn't know that until you had told me before. Yeah, it's kind That's of a interesting. Yeah, great nickname too. Yeah, the splendid splinter. The splendid splinter. What a wonderful nickname! And he had one of the great quotes too that's been stolen by everyone, but I'm sure it originated from him. He was asked in his later years, "How would you do today?" And he said, "Well, I'd hit about 290 probably." And they said, "Well, 290? You think the pitching's that good?" He says, "No, I'm 63." Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's how the joke goes here. Uh, but the reason why we bring this up, Bob Fell is another one. Got to give props to him. Became the first professional athlete to enlist in the Navy immediately after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. He was pretty good, too, if my memory is correct. Yeah, Feller was amazing. And Feller was, like, I think the very first baseball player. I think he kind of led the pack because he was that guy. He, he said he woke up and was like, I don't have a choice. He didn't have a choice but to serve. And there are 70 Baseball Hall of Famers who served in the military during conflicts that will be honored Saturday in New York City celebrating all military veterans. Now, the reason why this is such a big deal, and when you look at honors that are bestowed upon anyone, it is the Navy's new warship, the USS Cooperstown, saluting wow. the Baseball Hall of Famers. So they're going to call it the Cooperstown. That is so cool. I'm guessing your kid would love to see that. I think Tommy would love that, and I would love to see it. I, I know I've told you the story off the air, but when um, I lived in Hawaii, when I was stationed in Hawaii, I actually got to work one of the big uh, national baseball card shows, and my job was running, it's called Running Pens for Stan the Man Mutual, which basically people would hand me their stuff, I'd hand it to him and give him the right pen, so he signed it right and everything. And uh, as we were talking, he, he talked about his military service. He had been stationed in Pearl Harbor. He had a, a sheet metal job similar to what I was doing on airplanes. And he was still, you know, he married his high school sweetheart. And just a really cool little glimpse into that, that time period. And, you know, these guys were really amazing. Can you imagine, like, Mike Trout going, all right, man, I'm going to go <laughs> – I'm on my way out to Afghanistan. Really? Like, you just, it, I mean, we, we did have players that, that have gone and, and have stepped up, but at that level, Hall of Famers like that and those numbers? That's yeah, pretty remarkable. And then you look at a guy like Rocky Blyer, who was a hero yeah. in Vietnam, got wounded, mm -hmm. and he ran for the Steelers. Yeah, and he had shrapnel in his legs while he was yeah. playing. Yeah. And if you look at uh, anybody else on the field, I, I would always like the interview, and I don't know if anybody ever asked the question, but – uh, Rocky Blair before a uh, Super Bowl. Are you nervous? <laughs> I was in Vietnam, and people were after me, and we yeah. were after people. No, basically, this is no big deal because you got to look at the level of life that man led. And I think he got all four, right? He did. He would have been with all four rings. Yes, he did. Yeah, it's it's just remarkable. So, uh, tributes to. Uh, the men and the women who fought in a league of their own is, is a nice movie that sidles up to the fact that they created the Women's Hardball League uh, because there was a, a, an absence of baseball for many people. Yeah, and the characters were all based on real characters as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. Final thing I got to talk about here, and this is, uh, this is a bit weird, but this poor guy, a Brit, was uh, swimming off the shores of Australia and he got, um, he, he was killed by a shark, one Ooh. of the shark deaths. And there's not many each year. There's like 10 each year in the world. It's a very, very rare occurrence. But in the stats, the thing that got me is they call them provoked and non-provoked incidences. Wow. I really thought all of them were sort of 
The guy just happens to be swimming and stuff happens. I saw Jaws, I know. But when it comes <laughs> down to it, apparently some are listed as provoked attacks. Hey, Bill, let's get up and go tease the shark today. Yeah. <laughs> what, do, what, do you got? what do you got going on? Yeah. And, and the other thing that they point out in this, if people are fishing and chumming, it's probably not a good idea to go snorkeling. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You think, good point. You think? There's chum in the water. Maybe I shouldn't be. But, hey, we've got our oceans right here. They're beautiful. And you always hear about sharks. Um, I've only seen one when I was on a boat uh, going out to the islands, and it came up a pretty big one. It was probably uh, six, seven, eight feet, whatever. Bumped into the boat and swam away. And every, ooh, wow. back in the day. Time flies. It does fly. We're already out of time, huh? Yep, that's it. 15 minutes and 90 seconds goes by so fast. Thanks for sitting down with me for this Friday, Spence. Always fun. Always fun. Thanks for listening to 1590 Afterwards.